Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I believe you're going to get answers today. I believe that your steps are directed of the Lord, ordered by God, and that you're here today because God wants to give you something you've been seeking Him about. And so because of that, let's just go right into the Word and let's look at Matthew 26. Hallelujah. And I want us to recognize the part that we play in the fulfillment of the plan of God. You know, when I first came to know Jesus as Lord, I didn't understand the ways of God, and I just thought that there were a lot of things that were automatic, that if God wanted it to happen, it would happen. Amen? And we want to uh, recognize what the Word of God indicates about our cooperation Co-operation with what God has planned and what he has chosen for our lives. Matthew 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is praying a specific prayer. Matthew 26, let's begin in verse... 36. Then comes Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray. I'm going to go and pray. Prayer is simply communication with God. Prayer is not hard. It's not something that is... uh, difficult or mystical and only certain people are anointed to pray every believer has access to communicate with God and so Jesus said I'm going to go pray I'm going to go communicate with God and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy then saith he unto them My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. The word watch is a word that means be vigilant, be expectant, give strict attention to. The Thayer's Greek lexicon says it means to take heed lest through laziness some destructive calamity suddenly overtake someone. To take heed, lest through laziness some destructive calamity suddenly overtake someone. So it is being on guard. It is a spiritual vigilance, a spiritual uh, giving attention to in prayer. So he says, watch with me. So Jesus is watching. 
Jesus is giving strict attention to something. He is taking heed to the direction, to the course, to the steps that he's about to take. He's giving specific attention to them because he doesn't want to miss this step. He doesn't want to go off course at this opportune moment. He doesn't want to veer off the path, the plan that God has for him because of what his flesh is feeling. So he says, watch with me. I'm watching. That's what he was doing in prayer. He was watching. He was bringing his spiritual alertness in prayer And then the scripture identifies specifically what he prayed. He says in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying. These are the words of Jesus' prayer as he's watching. As he is bringing spiritual alertness to the steps that is about to come to pass in his life. Oh my father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he comes to the disciples and finds them asleep and says to Peter, What? Could you not watch, be diligent, vigilant, expectant, giving strict attention to, taking heed? Could you not take heed with me? For one hour. And then he says again. Watch and pray. That you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. So he says. Watching and praying. Helps us overcome. The temptations of our flesh. Watching and praying strengthens us and brings us to a place of alertness in the spirit so that we identify what the flesh is trying to get us to do and what God is leading us to do in our heart. And, and my family, there are things in our life, courses that God has orchestrated and set up for us to walk out, plans that he has for us, designs that he has for us, that we're not going to find it walking in the natural mind. We're not going to identify the plan, the purpose, those spiritual road, road marks, those spiritual street signs if we are only coming from a natural perception, only looking at situations and just floating through with a natural course. When we begin to sense in our spirit that there are things God wants to do, I remember hearing Brother Hagen use the remark. He was pastoring his church. He was pastoring a church that was, it was established. He was receiving a, a, a good paycheck, probably the best that he had in all of the different churches he had pastored. He said everything was good. We had a nice parsonage. We had a strong church. Everything was good. But in here, when I would pray, I felt like I was Washing my feet with my socks on. Every time I hear that, I think, how funny. But that's how he, he described this feeling that something is wrong here. It didn't look wrong. It looked right. It looked natural. It looked to the, to the natural eye. It looked like every, he was right where he needed to be. But in here, there was a street sign he was about to miss. 
And so every time he would go to prayer, he would, he would sense that he was missing something. He would sense that he was washing his feet with his socks on. Think about how that would feel. What would it feel like for you? You're trying to clean your feet. You want to wash them. You want to, to uh, uh, be able to put the soap on them, but you can't get the soap on them because the socks are on. And so there are things that the Holy Spirit is, is endeavoring to get across to us, and we've got to stay in that place of spiritual alertness until we can pick up what he's telling us, until we have an accuracy. And when we have that accuracy, peace will come with it. We'll sense a peace. If we still have that, don't get in desperation and don't get in fear, but just stay there watching. Stay there in prayer. When you come into your prayer time, and I'm not saying you, if, if you're in your prayer time and, and you are, are seeking the Lord and even going throughout the day, always having that, that ear turned to hear what God would say to you to help bring that clarity. This alertness. He said, if you will be alert, if you will take heed, if you will give strict attention to and pray, that you will not enter into temptation. And then he identified where the temptation comes from. It comes from the flesh. We have flesh. We don't have to fear our flesh. But we do have to give emphasis to walking in the Spirit and not giving place to our flesh. Every one of us could easily yield to the flesh in any situation and get the last word in. Any one of us could hold a grudge. Any one of us could, could you know, whatever it is the flesh is, is desiring for you to do in that situation. And so he says, in watching and praying, you'll be aware so that you don't enter into the temptation. The temptation can come and you can bypass it. You can just drive by it. You can say, I'm not turning on that street. I'm not turning down temptation alley. It's a dead end. Amen? And so watch and pray because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So now he's not asking God to remove it. He's already picking up in his spirit the direction he needs to go, and he's committing to it. And so in this prayer, let me identify first of all, this is not the prayer of faith. This is not a prayer of petition. This is a prayer of consecration. Thy will be done. In the prayer of faith, we wouldn't pray the same thing over and over because the first time I prayed it, if I'm in faith, I believed I received it. From that moment on, when I touch that in prayer, I'm going to touch it with thanksgiving. I'm going to come to God and say, Father, I believe I received on June 29th of last year that I, I have that. And Lord, it's coming to me. It is mine now in the spirit. And I'm going to see the manifestation of it because I have it in Jesus' name. And so that would be how we ap approach or apply the prayer of faith. But this is a prayer of consecration. And so he prayed the same thing more than one time. And it was to get that clarity. It was to identify what is the will of God in this situation. 
and for you and I to recognize and zone in on and be accurate for the will of God, there needs to be a hunger and there needs to be an asking and there needs to be a yieldedness that we come to him, not thinking that just because what we see in the natural or how things have played out in the natural that, whoo, that's the will of God. But we come and we ask him, Lord, is this what you have for me? One thing Sister Pat Harrison says concerning her father that made such a mark on her, her, her memory, she said, and her father is Brother Hagen, but she said that every year he would come to God and he would lay out his calendar that he had planned and he would say, Lord, if there's anything that I'm doing that you don't want me to do, even if I've been doing it for years, if you don't want me to do it, tell me. Is there anything on my calendar that you want me to add? Anything you want me to take off? He was coming and he was saying, I'm asking you because I want to know your plan. I don't want to just, just plow right through my life like I know everything. I don't want to just plow into this situation like I've got all the answers because God knows things we don't know. He knows things that will be changing. He knows the thoughts and the intents of other people's hearts. He knows things that if we'll ask. I think about this. King David, whenever he went to the Lord concerning when he was under attack, he would always go and ask God, what do I do? And you would think, hey, you're the king. Don't you realize you need to attack? Don't you realize? Why did he go to God and say, God, do you want me to go after those Amalekites who took all of our children and all of our wives out of Ziklag and all of our goods? Do you want me to go? Now, see, the natural mind would think, of course he wants you to go. But David said, Lord, do you want me to go? And God said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Now he's got a word. From God, now he's got a clear direction. And when he goes, he's going in the power of that word. He's going in the power of that direction. And he's not going wondering if he's going to win. He's not going with any doubt, any misconception about it. He knows and he says, not only are we going to get, get there and go into battle with them, but we're going to come out with full recovery, full restoration. We will recover all. Hallelujah. But there was one time that he asked the Lord and the Lord said, don't go up. I want you to go around by the way of the mulberry bush and when you hear the sound in the top of the trees. Now what if he hadn't asked? What if he had thought, you know, every time I ask God, he tells me to go. So I know he's going to tell me to go. So here I go. But he didn't. He went again and he inquired of the Lord and he said, Lord, do you want me to go? And God said, don't go. I want you to reroute, go that way, and I want you to listen for something. Now he's got angelic, godly help. And he's waiting on that, that sound. And when he has that sound, he's got that moment of surprise. And because he followed that instruction that he would never have received if he had not asked for it. But there was one time, you know, David had gone in and he had taken, um, he was on the run from King Saul because King Saul wanted to kill him. He had all of those men who God had joined to him, who were, were fighting with him in the battle. And he went into a certain town that was under attack from the Philistines, and he fought for the people of that town, and he won against the Philistines, and they were celebrating David. And they gave David and all of his men favor in their town, and they were, were showing their honor for what he had done. 
But news came that Saul was on his way to that town. And Saul is still king. And David asked the Lord. Now, this is what, this is what you've got to understand. If you, will, if you will learn how to ask the right questions. If you'll learn how to ask the right questions. He said to the Lord, Lord, are the people of this town going to turn me in? Only God knows that. Only God knew the answer. He could sit here and think, you know what? I've got their allegiance. I've got them on my side. I saved them from the attack of the Philistines. They're not going to turn on me. They're looking at me, telling me how great I am, how great my, my, uh, my army is. They're not going to turn on me. But he, instead, he goes to God and he said, God, if I stay here, will they turn on me? And God said, yes, they will turn on you. And he gave him a specific instruction of how to deal with that situation. There are things that we can be so accurate in if we will learn how to inquire of the Lord and to not depend on our own natural way of thinking. We have in our Hispanic service a young lady, and I say young, she's probably uh, 24, 25. How would you say Jocelyn is about 20, 23, 24? And she was experiencing some pain in her hips and went to the doctor. And the doctor told her she had rheumatoid arthritis. And, and she thought, I'm 20, 23 years old, rheumatoid arthritis. What are you telling me? I've got rheumatoid arthritis. And the doctor said, that's what you've got. You've got rheumatoid arthritis. And so when her and her husband were praying, her husband came out one day and he said, let's pray differently. Let's pray for God to show us what we need to do. They just made that one little adjustment in their praying. Let's ask God to show us what we need to do. And the Lord instructed Jocelyn to go to a different and get a second opinion, to a different doctor and get a second opinion. And she went to the different doctor and they said, your, your, your hips are uh, um, out of dislocated. And that's why you're experiencing that pain. And they are fixing the problem through physical therapy of what somebody else wanted to put her on medication and treat her for the rest of her life for something and, and that was solved. But she asked the Lord. She asked the Lord, show me. That one little shift opened the door for God to direct her and lead her in a different way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So do you see now why we need to watch and pray? Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 20. And, and let's find out how. Let's find out the importance of this. And again, our conversation with God is a vital, important part of this, this process. Proverbs chapter 20. Let's look first at verse 27. It says, The spirit of man is the candle. My center column reference has the word lamp. We in our society today would better recognize light bulb. Yeah. 
light fixture. The spirit of the man, spirit of a man is the candle, the lamp, the light bulb of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. He's not talking about your the organ of your stomach. He's talking about your innermost being, your spirit. So your born again spirit is alive unto God. In your spirit, the Holy Spirit lives. But your spirit is the place where God's going to reveal things to you. Where he's going to cause the lights to come on. The mind is not God's preferred method of communication. He does not want to communicate with your mind or your ears. These natural organs are for us to utilize on the earth. But spiritual beings, we are. And spiritual beings receive by the spirit. And so God is going to turn the lights on. He's going to reveal. He's going to communicate. He's going to show you things in your spirit. And the more time you spend listening to him there, the more skilled you'll be at recognizing when he's saying something to you. It is common to think, is that just me? Because it's coming from inside of you. This communication, this clarity, this understanding, this prompting, this leading is coming from the inside of you. I've heard people reference hearing a knock at a door. But they knew I didn't hear it with this ear. I've spoken with people who hear a phone ring. But they don't hear it with their ear. Hallelujah. Because God's knocking. God's calling. I have something to say. But I need you to pick up and listen. I need you to come to me and ask about it. Hallelujah. This, This recognition that God wants to speak to me in my spirit. My spirit. My born again spirit. My alive unto God spirit is righteous. My spirit is holy because I'm born again. My spirit is capable of hearing the voice of God. Your spirit is capable. Say that with me out loud. Say it. My spirit is capable of hearing the voice of God. God wants to speak to us regularly by his spirit in our spirit. The candle of the Lord, the light bulb, the way to bring light or illumination into our situation is in the spirit, in our spirit. God wants to speak to our heart the answer, the wisdom, the understanding that we need to deal with that situation, the key to the situation. God knows the key. God knows the access code. God knows the password. If we'll get in the spirit, he'll give us the password and we can unlock that situation. Proverbs 20 and verse 5. Back up to a few verses here to verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. 
That's what we're doing. That's what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was counsel. God was speaking to him in his spirit. He had to get in a place where he could draw out. It's deep. It's down in. It's, it's deep. The understanding is in there. It's deep. God's already provided me the answer before I ever walk into the situation. God's already placed in me the answer to every dilemma I will encounter. If I will learn how to access that counsel that he's placed in my spirit. Counsel is in our heart, in our spirit, because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And he's there to help you with every situation. He's, help, he's there to help you with your budget. He knows how to budget what money you've got to make you come out with full supply. Amen? He, he knows how to counsel you. He's the best marriage counselor that you can find. He's the best at counseling for your family. He's the best at counseling for your future. Counsel is in our heart because the Holy Spirit is in our heart. We have to draw it out. A man of understanding will draw it out. And so part of drawing it out is asking the right questions. We've talked about that. Part of drawing it out is praying accurately. Philippians 1. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. I've been praying this over us. Over you. Over our, our families. Our church family. Our partners. I've been praying Philippians chapter 1 and verse, verse 10. But we're going to read 9 and 10. I pray them both. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent. So that doesn't happen automatically. Someone learning how to approve things that are excellent. What if every choice you made was the right choice? How would that turn out? What if, if you walked into every situation with the ability to make the right choice in every situation? That you may approve things that are excellent. Have you ever been trying to figure out which one is going to be the best? Which car do I need to buy? Which job do I need to take? You know, which is going to be better for my family? Which is going to be better for me in the long run? God will give you the ability to approve Things that are excellent. The Weist translation says, so that after putting them to the test, so that you may uh, approve what is excellent, after you may putting them to the test of God's word, recognize the true value. Putting that situation to the test of God's word, that you may recognize the true value. The Bible in basic English says, so that you may give your approval to the best things. Do y'all remember the, the show? It might still be on. It was a television game show and people would dress up all funny and they'd pick them out of the, the, uh, the audience and they'd bring them down front and then they would, they would give them the option of choosing three doors. Let's make a deal. And they would say, I'm going to show you what's behind this door. And they would open it up and, and, but 
I'll make a deal with you. If you will, you can take this $2,000 or you can choose what's behind door number three that I'm not going to show you. And then, you know, they would, the camera would pan back to the husband or wife that was still in the seat and they were like giving them the eye. You better choose that car. You know, you better choose that, that dream vacation. And they're, they're wanting to go for that big item. And they're thinking, okay, that big item still hasn't been played yet. They still haven't pulled that big item out yet. So, okay, I'm going to bypass the $2,000. I'm going to bypass the dream vacation. I'm going to go for door number three. And they open up door number three, and there's a donkey. A donkey behind door number three. Somebody's in trouble that night. Somebody's sleeping on the couch that night, right? They're going on. They, why? They did not approve what was excellent in that situation. They did, not, they did not give their approval to the best things. The Amplified says, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital. Learn to sense what is important, what is vital. And approve and prize that which is excellent. Prize what is excellent and of real value. Recognizing the highest and best and distinguishing the moral difference. Recognizing the highest and best. This was a prayer. Philippians 1, 9 and 10 is part of a prayer. We can pray this for our family. How many of you want your kids to approve what is excellent? <laughs> to recognize what's vital as they go forward. If, if the Apostle Paul said that we're praying this for the people at Philippians, evidently prayer is a way to help people become skilled in approving the right thing, in recognizing what's vital. And we can pray this for ourselves. We can bring this to our own prayer ammunition and begin saying, Father, I don't want to make any more wrong choices. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to have to back up. I don't want to have to make a lot of detours. I want to get the right road on the right time. So teach me, Father, how to approve what is excellent. Lord, let me abound in love and in knowledge so that I may approve the things that are excellent, so that I will sense what is vital. Lord, don't let me waste time on things that are not important. Don't let me waste time scrolling and posting and wasting time on things that are not important. Don't let me waste time binging on television shows that are not important. Don't let me waste time going after adventures and, and different things that are promising lots of money, but they're not important. Show me what's important. Let me have the right priorities in my life. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. We should pray this. You know, I, I think that in, in, in our bringing our, our, ourself to a place of faith, sometimes people miss the importance of this yieldedness in, in prayer. It's still good to say, search me, O Lord. If there is something in me that's off, if there be in me any way that's twisted, 
Show me now. Don't let me come to a mess in my life before I have to turn and say, God, help me fix this. And he, 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 then he's got all of the mess to help me clean up too. Just go ahead and fix me now and we'll avoid the mess. We'll avoid all the wrong choices. We'll avoid all of those things because of that twisted mindset. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 25. Psalm 25, let's look at verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. We're still praying, aren't we? We're still, this is communication. We're communicating with God. We're learning how to ask, the right, ask for the right things. Lord, show me your ways. Well, we know God said in Isaiah 55, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. If we'll operate in God's ways, we'll operate in that higher level of understanding. We'll operate in that higher, higher walk of living. Show me your ways. It's possible for us to do it like God would do it. Isn't that great? It's possible. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. It's possible for us to do it like God would do it if he were walking in our shoes because he is walking in us. He said, I will be in you. He's in us and he's in us to help us walk like he would walk. To leave the low way and walk the highway. Taking the higher way of doing things, the higher way financially, the higher way in our relationships, the higher way. He said, show me your ways, O Lord. Show me. We are not going to find God's ways without his help. We are not going to know God's ways without his word. He put his ways in his word so that we could know them and practice them. It's not automatic just because we're saved. It's not automatic because we own five versions of the Bible. It's not automatic because we have one on our tablet, one on our phone, one in our back seat, one on our bedside. It's not automatic until we begin putting the word to work in our life and learning his ways. There are ways that God does things that your flesh won't like. Forgiveness is not your flesh's friend. Your flesh would rather not forgive. And you can come up with a lot of valid reasons not to forgive. Especially if that unforgiveness is because someone actually did you wrong. It wasn't just because they offended you or made you mad or cut you off. But they did something serious against you. And it seems right to the natural mind to the natural side of us to say I'm not going to forgive that person because we feel like we're letting our guard down we feel like we are are becoming weak and and allowing them uh, uh, to to do it again but forgiveness is a highway 
And some people are, are stuck in a ditch of sickness or stuck in a ditch of financial lack because they won't get on the highway. And God, they say, Lord, bless my finances. And God says, you need to forgive that person in their life. And then, no, I rebuke you. Lord, you bless my finances. And God said, I can't bless your finances while there's unforgiveness. You've got to forgive that person. You've got to take the highway. Because there's a frontage road to get on the highway. And that frontage road was the forgiveness road. Or if they're saying, Lord, I need you to meet my need. And he says, you're not tithing. I've given you time. I've been, I've been supplying for you. I brought manna. I made quail fly. Waist high up in the camp. Now here you are in the promised land and you're not tithing. How can God continually overlook disobedience? There's mercy. He's, he's a supply, but he's, he's a good father. And so, oh Lord, and so they keep hitting that wall of financial difficulty because they haven't taken the highway. Show me your ways. Your ways. Lord, go and ask for his ways. If you're having an area of your life where you keep hitting a brick wall, this is going to open the door for God to speak to you and it show you how to get over that, how to move the brick wall, how to remove the obstacles. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Teach me your paths. Walking in the path that God has for us requires the help of the Holy Spirit. He's got to teach us how to walk the path of God because it's a spiritual walk. There are, are things that God leads us to do, directions that he wants us to take that don't seem natural. He said, go make these water pots full of water. Uh, Lord, you don't understand. We don't need water. Water is not what we're needing. Right? He said to the woman who came, the, the, the prophet said, she, go and borrow as many vessels as you can find and take the little bit of oil that you have left. Take that little bit of oil. Take that little tiny sample of oil that's left and start pouring and fill up all these water, these empty pots, these empty containers. You mean to tell me I'm going to take an inch deep of oil and I'm going to fill 75 pots and jars that I've got laying around my house. I stack them all in here and I pour an inch of oil and it keeps pouring and keeps pouring and keeps pouring and keeps pouring and pouring and I fill that one jar up and I start on the next jar and I fill every jar out of that one inch. Jesus took the, the fish and five loaves and he blessed it and he broke it and he handed the fragments to his disciples and told them to go feed 5,000 people. And they're holding the fragments, the broken pieces of the two fish and the five loaves of bread. They weren't big French loaves either. They were little cracker loaves. Little, this is a little boy's lunch. A little boy's lunch. 
Go take that little bit that I've broken up. The 12 disciples are holding broken fragments. When Jesus handed it to them, it didn't suddenly become basketfuls in their arms. They're holding fragments. They're holding a, a portion of a fish and a portion of a cracker. And they walk around and they hand some and they still got some. And they hand some and they still got it. And they hand it and they got it and they hand it and they got it and they hand it and they got it. And by the time everybody had eaten, not just a little dabble, do you? Everybody had eaten until everybody was full. They were passing it out and passing it out and passing it out. Didn't make sense. But they were glad they obeyed that day. Amen. So we've got to have him teach us his paths. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. So we need him to show us. We need him to teach us. And we need him to lead us. For you are the God of my salvation. On you do I wait all the day. Psalm 143. We're just going to saturate in it. Because the Lord's giving us answers today. Psalm 143. Verse 8. Cause me to hear. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. I'll, I'll tell you. These verses are some that when, I, when God first began to deal with me about coming to Little Rock, these are the verses in my journal. And I started off that page in my journal with building a confidence, an inner image of the leading of the Lord. And I had all of these verses that I would go over and still go over because I wanted to have that accuracy because I was going somewhere I'd never gone before. I was doing something I'd never done before. He said in this verse, verse 8, cause me to hear. Isaiah says, the Lord openeth my ear to hear as the learned. Hallelujah. He opens my ear to hear. Don't say, I can't hear God. Don't say that because that's out of line with the word of God. You say what the word said. Lord, you open my ear to hear. You open my ear to hear. My ear is not hardened. My ear is not calloused. I am not dull of hearing. I, I hear the voice of the Lord because he's my good shepherd and I hear his voice. It says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. Open invitation for the leading of God. We need to give him that invitation. Remember the couple who changed their prayer. Mariano said, let's ask God what we should do. Before that, they were just asking God to heal her. But now they're saying, God, show us what we should do. Cause me to know. Lord, this is, this is how we open up our heart to him. Lord, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. 
without you showing me, Lord, I won't be accurate. But if you'll show me, if you will cause me to know it, I will obey the prompting you give me. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee unto you to hide me. Teach me to do your will. Do you think we need to pray that prayer? Do you, I mean, do you think you got this? You all that in a bag of chips, don't need to help? No, no, no. Teach me to do your will. Teach me. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Hallelujah. So this is inviting the instruction of God. This is yielding yourself. This is opening up your understanding for him to shine his light on that understanding. Hallelujah. Uh, Psalm one, uh, Psalm 17 and verse 5. 17.5 Hold up my goings in your paths that my footsteps slip not. It's another prayer. Hold up my goings in your paths. I want to stay on your path, Lord. I don't want to veer off on my path. Hold up my goings in your paths. Because if I'm in your paths, I can walk this out. I can walk safely. I can walk surely. Hold up my goings in your paths that my footsteps slip not. Proverbs 4. Hallelujah. And verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. They're connected. The center column reference says, Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be ordered aright. So my ways being established means that God is ordering them correctly. How does that happen? I'm pondering the path. I'm looking at the steps that I'm taking and I am consulting God in that decision. I'm open for him to redirect me. In that decision. I'm open for him to lead me. And now if you, if you are, are on track. God doesn't have to get you off track. So if someone is on track. God's going to tell them stay the course. But you still want to be open. For when God gets ready to, to go to the next level. Or move into it's something that he's been preparing you for. You know, when you drove to church today, you didn't get in the car and just hold the wheel straight. There were turns you had to make. There were curves you had to go around. You had to keep your eyes on the road and consistently move that steering wheel 
to accommodate the different turns and curves and adjustments that needed to be made. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about. Keeping in that time of prayer an openness before God, a yieldedness before God, coming to Him saying, show me, teach me, lead me. I'm pondering the path. I'm ready. If, I, if you sense that something needs to be shifted, you don't have to over-adjust and whoa, pull away off the road. Just recognize, oh, wait, wait, wait. I see there's a change. I may, I may need to slow down if I'm looking for a street I should be turning on. Amen? Because this is a path that God has prepared. The Lord has already established the very best for your life. If you were to sit down with a pencil and paper and write out what you think would be the best for your life, God has topped it. God, know, He created you. He designed you. He knows what your tastes are. He knows what you like. He knows what you have in you. He knows what you're capable of. And He, he has already chosen the very best for our lives. He said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are good. They are thoughts of peace, fullness, abundance, full restoration. They are thoughts of good with an end and an expectation. You know, in my, in my version, I like to say an end worth looking forward to. <laughs> That's an end worth looking forward to, what God has for me. But for me to find it, I'm going to need to keep my communication open so that he can, because it's not just one download and you got the map how to get there. No, it's, it's receiving that course correction, receiving that instruction. Because there may be things that the enemy plots that God's got to move you around. And he's going to take you over it. He's going to move you around it. The other people may make choices that put you in a position and God's got to redirect you to move you around it. Amen? And so that's why we are, it, this is a, the just shall live by faith. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a walk with God. When we see here that it says to ponder the path of your feet, that's what Brother Hagin was doing. He was always open. And, you know, I think he got there because when he was uh, in that one time of praying and he, he wrote the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits as a result of it, he was, he was praying on the platform one day during a prayer meeting that they were having and he, he, he started praying some things out and uh, he was drawing a circle, a little circle. And then with his finger, he drew a bigger circle and then he drew a very large circle. And he said, Lord, what, am I, what does this mean? What am I doing? And the Lord said, you've been going around for the last however many years fishing out of the same bathtub in these, this, this same little routine of churches. He said, break out of that little circle. And he said, I want you to go start having all faith crusades. And in those all faith crusades, I want you to teach in the morning and I want you to preach at night and have it in a, a site that is not a church so that other churches from other denominations will come. And so he said, the teachings from the daytime sessions, I want you to take those and transcribe them and turn them into books. And the books that we have of Brother Hagen today came as a result of that 
being shown to him in prayer. Because Brother Hagin never sat down and wrote a book. They all came from his preaching. And then he said, I want you to go on the radio and I want you to teach, don't preach. Go on the radio and teach. All of those things were out of the ordinary. He didn't know anybody who'd ever done any of those things. He didn't know. He said, take all of the, the uh, um, evening sessions and preach on faith. And so he's got these all-faith crusades, inviting churches, meeting in conference rooms and convention centers. And nobody he knew was doing that. And people would come to him and prophesy, thus saith the Lord, you need to get a tent. Because everybody else in the ministry at that time had a tent. It was during at the last of the healing crusade, the healing uh, revival that was in, going on in America. And so people were coming to him and prophesying and saying, Thus saith the Lord, you need to get a tent and have tent meetings. And he said, The Lord never told me. Here's people coming and prophesying. But the Lord never told him. Hallelujah. So he's, he's getting specifically in his heart. The heart of the man is the candle of the Lord. He's getting specifically in his heart. What does God want me to do? And the reason that he was so effective in what he did is because even when it went against what he thought would work, he told the Lord. The Lord said, I want you to teach. He said, Lord, nobody's going to come listen to me teach. He said, everybody I know is a preacher. If we're not sweating and flying from one side of the room to the other, and if you ever go back and watch El Shaddai, it's available on YouTube, he was preaching El Shaddai. And you, the camera is trying to keep up with him because he's running all over the place and preaching like a house on fire. But the Lord told him, I want you to teach. And he told the Lord, it won't work. I can't teach. Nobody will come and hear me teach. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you, Lord. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach in the day sessions, and I'll show you. Nobody's going to come. And he said by the end of the week of him teaching, the day sessions had more people attending than they were coming at night. And he went on the radio and taught, and that wasn't something people did much of either. And so here he is teaching. Why? Because that was the specific instruction that God gave him in prayer. And that specific instruction was what, what the pieces that came together for his ministry to have longevity and effectiveness. It's not just doing what seems right or doing what other people are doing because they're doing it. He said people would come to him and say, tell me how you set up Rama. God wants us to have a Bible college, so tell me how you did your Bible college. He said, if God's telling you to have a Bible college, he'll tell you how to have it. I'm not telling you how we did Rama, Because they got it from God. They got their own pattern from the Lord. And there's a pattern for your life. There's a pattern for your marriage. There's a pattern for your finances. God knows how to get you out of debt. He knows how to make you financially stable and sound. But we want his ways. We want his paths. These paths, these paths 
We've got to trust that what God has for us is better. That God is never going to, to take us into less than. You've got to trust that. He's never going to take us into something that is going to, de to uh, deprive or, or ruin our life. Everything God is going to do, if we'll just trust him and walk it out, it's for the best. Even in those times that you think, well, this looks like the better choice. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So it's not automatic. Then, oh, well, I must be on the right path because it's working out. That doesn't mean you're on the right path. Acknowledge. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct. The word direct is an interesting word. The word direct means to straighten or unbend. If you'll acknowledge God, he will unbend the path. He will straighten the path. But without acknowledging him, he is a gentleman, and he's not going to be... be uh, uh, forcing you down the path. He's not going to be screaming at you, what are you doing? Get off this road. He's going to say, I'm here to direct you. This is what I've told you to do. If you'll acknowledge me, I will unbend the path. I will straighten the path. I will direct the path. Hallelujah. Isaiah 48 this is a foundational scripture that we've been using in our, our uh, lessons that we've been uh, having on our broadcast the last few weeks. Teach me, lead me. This is a fundamental understanding for us. 48:17 Thus saith the Lord your redeemer the holy one of Israel I am the Lord your God which teaches you to profit which leads you by the way the way that you should go There is a way God's already planned it God's already prearranged it Ephesians 2:10 in the amplified Bible says taking the paths that God has prearranged and prepared beforehand. There are paths already laid out for us to walk. But for us to find them, we're going to have to use spiritual equipment. We're going, we can't use the mind. We can't use the appearance of the thing. We can't, we've got to be led by our spirit. He, he said, I will teach you to profit. The word prophet means to ascend on high, to rise above. I'll teach you how to rise above. I will teach you how to ascend on high. It also means to excel or to be benefited. I will teach you how to excel if you'll listen to me, if you'll learn from me, if you'll come to me like I have something to teach you. Hallelujah. I am the Lord which teaches you to excel, to be benefited, to ascend on high, to rise above, and 
which leads you by the way that you should go. He goes on to say, oh, that you would have hearkened to my commandments. Evidently, they didn't. He said, if you would have, then your peace would have been like a river. Peace flowing so strongly. Peace flowing with such a supply. You know, there's supply in the river. There, there's provision in the river. He said, your peace would have flown with such a current in your life, bringing supply to every area, every relationship, every financial need. There would have been a supply if you would have hearkened. And your righteousness as the waves of the sea, your seed also would have been as the sand and the offspring of your bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Well, all of these things that he describes are the opposite of the blessing. He says, if you would have listened to me, the blessing would have been nonstop in your life. But because they didn't listen, they had the opposite. They had a lack of the blessing, which is the operation of the curse. He said, if you will listen, if you'll listen to the things I'm teaching and follow the things that I'm leading you to do, then the blessing will have no hindrance. It will have its full operation and manifest impact in your life. Hallelujah. That's what we want, Lord. Are you hungry for his path? Are you hungry for his teaching and his leading? All right, Romans 12. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world. Is he talking to believers? Talking to saved folk. Born again, righteous, holy people. And he's telling us, warning us, exhorting us, don't be molded into the thought patterns, the actions, the behaviors, the emotions of people who don't even know God. People who don't even have a covenant. We have a covenant. Don't be conformed to what's going on around you. Don't react to the news the same way unsaved people react to the news. You are a no fear zone. No anxiety, no worry. Things are not uncertain for us. It is certain that I have a covenant. It is certain that God is protecting me. It is certain that God is providing for me. God hasn't left his position as provider just because of the decisions that's being made around us. He still can meet our needs. Amen? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, you have been born again when you receive Jesus as Lord. But he's talking about a change that comes about with the renewing of the mind that is a supernatural change. And he gives us such a supernatural image in the caterpillar and the butterfly. I mean, I think God created the caterpillar and the butterfly for us believers to know what it's like to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. 
because you can't explain it without having, you can't explain it in its fullness and in its impact without having the concept of this caterpillar that crawls into a cocoon, makes this cocoon around them. And when they get in this cocoon, they transform. And they, are never, they never retreat to being a caterpillar again. They are never limited to low-level living again. They are never down at, on that level that they once crawled at. But now they are lifted up, transformed into a different momentum, into a different mobility. They are transformed with different abilities. That we can't get if we try to live our Christian life with wrong thinking. He says, be transformed. And it is the word metamorphosis. Metamorpho in the Greek. And it means to be so completely changed. Like the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may... Prove. This word prove means to test, examine, approve, or allow. We were just praying from Philippians 1 that we would approve things which are excellent. That God would give us the ability to approve, recognize what's vital. It says the renewing of your mind is necessary for you to even identify what's the will of God. You can't, you can't test to see if it's the will of God if the, if the mind is carnal. If the mind is carnal in its thinking, it'll look right at the will of God and say, No, that can't be. Why? Because it can't see it. That transformation is the key to being able to acknowledge that's the will of God. To be able to prove, to test it. To examine it. And a carnal mind can't examine the will of God and determine if it's the will of God or not. So prove, renew your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see? That's not automatic. We've got to come to the place where we are looking at the will of God from spiritual eyes. And we are, we are sensing in our spirit, looking for peace. Recognizing when God is prompting us because he's, he's prompting us with peace. He's, he's giving us light on the situation so that we can know what to do. Steps to take. Hallelujah. So the renewed mind is the equipment that we need to be able to approve the will of God. And I want to close at 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. God has prepared things for us. He has. But we can't see them in the natural. But if you stop right here, 
you leave it all in mystery. If you, eye hasn't seen and ear has not heard, it hasn't entered into the heart the things that God has prepared. He wasn't done. But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. There we go back to the, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God reveals the things that He has prepared for us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 12, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. He wants you to know them. He wants you to know the paths that He's prepared. He wants you to know the, the, the rewards, because God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He wants you to know your inheritance. He said that you would be operating the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could know what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance. How, how hard that must be on our Father's heart to have provided such a rich inheritance for His people and so many of his people don't even have a clue that their inheritance is available now. They think I'm going to go to heaven and get my inheritance when God says, why wait? Why wait? Why be like that prodigal, uh, the, the elder brother of the prodigal son that says, I've served you all these years and you've never had a party for me. And God said, you've been my heir this whole time. You could have accessed everything in my house. You can throw a party whenever you get ready to throw a party. You can, you can kill the fatted calf whenever you get ready to kill the fatted calf. But you never took ownership of my inheritance. He gave the inheritance to both of them, but neither one of them, neither one of them stepped up and took their place as a son in the, fa in the father's family and said, here I am. To, to acknowledge, where was he? He was out in the fields with the servants. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. Just a worm in the dust. An heir and a joint heir. An heir and a joint heir. Do you know what really gives God glory is when we take our place? What really gives God glory is when we acknowledge, you did that for me. Thank you, Father. I receive. Ask the Lord, what is my inheritance? Hallelujah. There are things that God has prepared, things that he has freely given to us, and, and I, I don't think I would be exaggerating to say the majority of the body of Christ is not operating in a, not even a quarter of what God has freely given us. I know I'm not all there yet. I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on a mission. I've got a quest. I want to know what he's made mine. I want to know what he has freely given to me. The Bible says, Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 15, I believe it is, he said, or 16, he said, everything that the Father has is mine. And 
the, the Holy Spirit will show it to you. Why? Because if it's Jesus, I have an equal, equal, I'm a co-heir, joint heir. A joint heir doesn't get a little tiny portion in the corner. I get a joint, he, he, he is more honored for us to say, I get an equal share with Jesus. Then for us to say, oh no, I'm not worthy for an equal share with Jesus. Well, why did he shed his blood then? Why did he hang on the cross and become sin for us if it didn't make us worthy? Do you see that, that religious, keep yourself, keep yourself low on the totem pole, keep yourself low in that, in that place? No, Jesus did all of this to lift us up and seat us together with him. He didn't die so that you could get a little a beggar's portion. He died so that you could get an equal share with him. He, God's got enough. It's not going to cut Jesus short. Jesus isn't going to say, it's not fair that they get the same thing I got. Because that means I don't get as much. No, the Father is so wealthy. Our Father is so wealthy that he is fully stocked to be able to overload Jesus' portion and yours too. And mine too. Hallelujah. But we are not going to know it without seeing it in the spirit. We've got to, this is light. It is light to our spirit. It brings understanding. It brings clarity. It causes us to see all the details of what God has given us. What is freely given to us by God is revealed by the spirit. And we need his help to know the things that are freely given to us and to learn the words to speak. Verse 13, which things also we speak. Why is that important? Because there needs to be verbal authorization. Teach me, O Lord. Show me your ways. We speak things in words that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Things that compare spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's why we need the mind renewed. Because even though a person is born again, they still have a natural side in the mind until they renew the mind. The mind didn't get saved when the, when the born again spirit was placed in you. The mind has to be renewed. Hallelujah. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually examined, investigated, scrutinized. So for us to know the will, for us to find the path, for us to recognize that specific thing that God is leading us to do, that is going to set the path on track, We've got to have a renewing of the mind and we've got to let the Holy Spirit teach us. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, you're so good to us. We love you today. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to, to minister to you out of our abundance, we want you to know you are the one we depend on. Regardless of what's going on around us, it doesn't change your ability to keep us, to provide for us. Lord, we bring you our expectation.
Father, I ask you today, those whose steps are in need of adjustment, that you would minister to their hearts today. That you would speak specifically to their situation as they have opened their understanding today to recognize they need to acknowledge you. I ask you, Father, for a flood of light upon their path. Make it plain. Oh, Lord, make it plain. Make it plain what they need to do, the steps they need to take to get back on course. Oh, Father, thank you for course corrections. Thank you for adjustments. Hallelujah. 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 Just lift your hand right where you are. Say, thank you, Lord for leading me, for teaching me, for showing me, for causing me to know what I need to know.